Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell. And you are listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. This week on Pop It, we're on site at North Main Provisions with owners Alexis Kelleher and Nate Rossi, the duo who are also responsible for Crust Bake Shop. Alexis grew up working at Worcester's most iconic eatery, Coney Island, alongside her mother and great-grandmother. Nate was the sous chef at Armsby Abbey before joining Alexis at Crust and helping her launch North Main Provisions. Thank you for having us. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for being here. We're so excited. We have a couple of other players in the room as well. John Tonelli's helping us out with sound again today. Uh, we're going with one mic and ah. customers might be walking in, so that's exciting. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm ready to man on the street. Um, what are y'all doing at North Main Provision? <laughs> Fine cheese. <laughs> Why are you here? I want some wine. For Who are you? Tell me about yourself. And per usual, we're also joined by Mike Hendrickson, who's taking our photos. He's up for Best of Worcester this year, Best yeah. Wedding Photographer, so go out and vote for him. We are also up for Best of Worcester. That was a very pleasant <laughs> surprise, yeah. I, I didn't know we were um, qualified. We are radio personalities. Well, that's what Harriet Chandler told us a few weeks ago. Senator Chandler, who also is a Wellesley alum, like yes. Alexis here. Mm-hmm. She said a man walks into an interview or decides to run for office without asking any questions or getting permission from anyone or deciding whether or not he's qualified. And she said, you girls have to be more like that. So this is our first chance. We are qualified as yes. Worcester's best radio hosts. I, I am very okay with telling people that I'm running for Best Radio for Sally along with my co-host Sarah and that they should vote for us. I will vote for myself. <laughs> will you guys vote for yourselves? We will. Actually, I already have. Yeah. So yeah. for North Main Provisions, we were nominated for Best New Retail and then for Crust, Best Bakery, Best Bread, Best Bagels, and Best Desserts. So we did a lot of clicking. Yeah. Fantastic. And I voted for you guys and for Mike, so... Of course. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. We would also vote for John Tonelli for Best of Worcester, Best Assistance on Sound Design and Mixing. Yeah, next year. We <laughs> need to add a new category. New category. Mm-hmm. Walter. We'll start a write-in campaign. <laughs> so the last time I interviewed you for a Worcester Magazine piece, you talked a lot about the nostalgia of Coney Island and growing up there, and we especially talked about the sensory experience of walking into your mom's restaurant. Can you tell us more about your history with Coney Island and how that blossomed into your own business? Yeah, I think, you know, growing up, Coney Island was kind of like at the center of everything my family did in a lot of ways. Like a small business is just so consuming as we are experiencing in a new way now. I think, you know, when it's your own, it's different than when it's just your parents and you kind of see it like from the outskirts a little bit. But like, you know, every dinner conversation, like in vacations, even like everything kind of centered around Coney Island and this like fixation on like how things were going there and like having that in the back of your mind, I think is just like ingrained in me. And, um, and then I think for like, you know, my family were Greek and food is like at the center of things in like a really special way too. And like, it's, it's kind of like the, this, the, just the basis of everything. Like it's what brings us together. Like our traditions all center around food. And I think like you can see that with just like within a family or just like Coney Island, everyone has a story. Everyone has like some kind of memory there that's so special to them. And it's really cool to be a part of that and to be, to be part of so many people's memories, you know, and, yeah. uh, and now like doing that with crust and kind of being at the beginning of it. Cause obviously Coney Island has been there for a hundred years. So like you have people of all ages who have really special memories there, but now 
people are starting to build memories at Crust. And, like, we have young kids who come in and, like, you know, look forward to getting little donut holes or, like, you know, the decorated cookies. And it's just, like, it's just being part of people's lives and part of people's, like, special occasions or even just, like, the not-so-special occasions but part of their ritual, I think, is, like, really, is really meaningful. So you have, like, regulars who come in, like, Saturday mornings and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of regulars. It's kind of, like... Uh, a lot of regulars during the week, people who come in for breakfast and coffee who work around here or, you know, they come in for lunch from the office. And then on weekends, it's kind of like a different set of regulars and people who come in and hang out. And we have more seating in there now. So, like, it's really fun to kind of watch it fill up in there and people hang out for a while and meet up with each other. And it's, it's cool. It's just, like, fun to watch it. And North Main Provisions has taken on a personality of its own, but I come to walk in and expect that shopkeeper Nate will be here to greet me. Can you tell me about this place and its specific characteristics? Of course. Um, So we kind of just on our seldom days off together, Alexis and I would go to shops like this and we figured we could probably do it and maybe even do it better. Um, so we just start, start to surround ourselves with everything that we loved. Um, they were already carrying some artisan cheeses over at crust. So we brought that cheese case over here to the other side and just filled it up. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, speaking of nostalgia too, like my grandparents, I guess my mom too is like pretty religious. So I feel bad saying this sometimes, but like, as far as I'm concerned, the Holy Trinity is bread, wine, and cheese. So that's kind of like what these two places to me mean it's just like everything that's important yeah i agree with that very much yeah um i came here on christmas eve actually i needed some gifts and i like popped in and i was like nate i'll be there yeah he'll be ready to he'll be ready to find me what i need we trust you you know yeah absolutely it is an interesting time for food though there was a great article in the la times this month about food god who is like what's his real name jonathan chavon and he's (laughs) Kim Kardashian's sidekick. So he has no qualifications in his life that about food. Like he doesn't have any experience. He was never, he never worked in the kitchen. He never did any culinary, like, you know, studying of any kind. And he's not even really like that much of like a foodie in the way that we think of it or like a connoisseur of food. He just like is what he considers an influencer and takes pictures of food. So let me read you a couple of the things that he has said. Uh, I would consider myself more of a modern day food critic. I want to go to a place where somebody sends me this insane cotton candy burrito and I'm like, this is amazing. So I'm curious. And he said, oh, it's so 2000. Uh, Nobody's reading food criticism anymore. How are you feeding into this Instagrammable food trend, especially at a bake shop like Crust where everyone wants to take a picture of whatever they're buying? Well, I guess I have fun with it. I just think it's like, it's kind of neat to be able to see like, you know, what people engage with. And then it's like, you kind of tailor what you're providing for people, the content based on what gets like a lot of responses or traction and you get to know your customers so much better. So I think it's like, it's fun um, just to be able to engage with people on that, like on that level and to see what they're really thinking or what matters to them. And um, but isn't Jonathan, he's like the one he's been on keeping up with Kardashians yes. forever, but like, he's got like the blown out hair. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like okay. a very, his nose does not look like the nose that he was born with. <laughs> oh <laughs> my Jonathan. goodness. Have you guys seen it. Jonathan Chavon? Yeah. Yes. That's what he looks like. That's a 
Good way to describe so, it. <laughs> uh, he's really vocal in particular in this article about things that are so dated and food trends. He said, things dipped in gold are out. Instagram feature, boomerang, out. Lobster, overrated. And his food idiosyncrasies could be classified as both absurd and mundane. Horseradish, mustard, and cinnamon are evil. Stuff not being crispy is a sin. He has all these crazy sound bites. How do you feel about following food trends, and how much are you switching up your menu to reflect things that might be popular? I feel like the classics are classics for a reason, and everything is cyclical. Um, people can listen to this guy and you know maybe take his advice. But in the end, he's going to go away. People like that lose their voice. Where is he getting lobster from, I guess, is my question. <laughs> like, Yeah, West Coast lobster. Maybe I that's mean, it. Maybe that's the key. No thanks point. anyway. Yeah. yeah, I think I don't like consider us to be very trendy. I think we're both old souls and we're both kind of like march to the beat of our own drum a little bit probably. Like, but not in... No, I just, I've never thought of myself as being really trendy, but I think... Those are the people who set the trends, Alexis. You're yeah, it. are they? Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Sarah, you just put so much pressure on me. I didn't know that. <laughs> Don't plant that seed. <laughs> yeah. It's going to get a complex. I know. No, but yeah, I think that like the classics, we try to just stick to things that are like kind of tried and true and... And like, and I think it ties into nostalgia. That's so important for me. Like you brought it up, but like it really like food to me, like when I bite into a croissant, like I think of the first time I had one and just like where it kind of took me and like with smelling sourdough before I take a bite, like it kind of transports me to this place before I even eat it. So like, it's, I don't know. It's like, I can't, a cotton candy burrito, like no thanks, (laughs) but like, you know, a classic, I think it's just always going to be a classic for a reason. Like you said. Well, and I guess it's, like, this idea of, like, you get something crazy like a cotton candy burrito, and he's saying, like, this is amazing. Like, it's amazing that maybe someone, like, thought of that, but does it taste good? Like, I can't see how it would. Well, the article ended with him taste-testing Sour Patch Kids cereal, so for money, you know, and there's obviously a lot of ads and revenue that's tied to him promoting certain things. But you did catch fire on Instagram with your Valentine's cookies the last few years. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah what are a few of your favorites? A few of my favorites. Well, like, I liked when we did, like, swipe left or swipe right, you know, for, like, Tinder or Bumble. Uh, this year we did, like, Thank You Next, like, the Ariana Grande song. Um, and I bought that one. Did you? It was That was, like, a really fun one, too, because, like, I put it up on, on Instagram, like, to interact with customers and stuff mm-hmm. and see what they kind of wanted to see. And a lot of – that was, like, the number one. Everyone wanted to see Thank You Next this year. So, um, so just, yeah, they're, they're fun. They make people laugh, and I don't know. Some people pre-order, like, specific sayings. Mm-hmm. Those can get pretty graphic. Yeah. <laughs> We've put some things on cookies I don't think we could say on, the, on this program. Good to know. Well, and you did some of the, like, the negative, like, what, so were there some really good ones that people volunteered that you could say on the air that are, that were some of the sillier, um, like, anti-Valentines? I like the one that just said freak. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. Oh, my gosh. I guess, like, it's been a month and a half or, like, a month, but I can't even, like, 
think of them now. I'd have to look at pictures. <laughs> I have like okay. a handout, but. Uh-oh, Alexis, but you, this begs the question. It's something I asked you about before we started, but last time I saw you, you said, I'm always doing damage control. I had asked you about being a female small business owner. Mm-hmm. And you said, in my head, I'm doing this damage control to preemptively mitigate any and all problems before they become too big. The only real minor controversy I've seen you involved in on the internet was of former employee of the bakery before you owned it who mm-hmm. came forward and said the cookies were my idea <laughs> yeah. tell me more about how you deal with the problem like that um well with with that problem I mean I kind of just kind of let it fall to the wayside I guess in a lot of ways I mean um she never worked for me so I it, it's like a weird kind of uh cry for attention maybe from her um but I also think that like as much as we love doing the cookies and we get a lot of attention from it and people are really excited about it so many other bakeries are doing stuff like that and writing things on cookies and kind of doing the play on the conversation hearts and like even their places in Boston like the donut places that write things on donuts so I think it's kind of like more of a bigger trend than one person's idea um and uh but yeah, I, and I think the idea at Crust really came from, like, Alec and Sherry always kind of do, like, a really negative brunch for um, Valentine's Day over at Armsby Abbey. And so Sherry, I remember, like, the first Valentine's Day that Crust was open, she was like, she's like, I don't want, like, red lovey-dovey pink stuff. Like, she's like, let's celebrate how sucky or, you know, shitty. Yeah, like, what did we be. call it? The Valentine's Haters Brunch or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, like the Bleeding Heart. I was going to say, I yeah. feel like yeah. they give it a new name, right? I think mm-hmm. I've seen, like, like, Broken Heart or something like that. And yeah, we really did too. have Beef Heart on the menu, I remember, <laughs> one year. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course, we always would serve rabbit on Easter, too, so I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun to get a little dark with things, I think, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much of your experience, Nate, from Armsby Abbey's Kitchen has carried over to things that happen here? Um, well, recently with the remodel over at Crust, I took the time to uh, revamp the menu, the sandwich menu over there. So now we'll do like breakfast sandwiches all day. Just, you know, kind of upped the game for the sandwiches over there. Mm-hmm. But on like a daily basis, I'm always like pickling things or sometimes we'll do soups over here. They always have grilled cheese on this side, artisan grilled cheeses. But. Yeah. Is there any grilled cheese that you have not made that you would love to try that's kind of like out there? Yes. Yes. Uh, I want to do a Taleggio in pear. Someone mentioned that to me a while back and it just sounded fantastic. That sounds, I love pear and cheese. Well, I know they've been revamping Main Street, reimagining Main Street, if you will. I think that's the official party line since the Beastie Boys were outside. Yeah, there's a great photo that we'll post of, or maybe we posted it when we, we have. interviewed AJ as well, but the Beastie Boys take a picture right outside of your store. Mm-hmm. I've seen that picture. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. cool. So Main Street has come a long way. They're adding a lot of public art. They're adding a bike lane. They're making what they call a complete street. But as I understand it, the city was in charge of the cap ends and the state is in charge of the middle section. So they did this section first. And Phil Nidri put it really well, I thought, this week in the Telegram Gazette. He said, you know, people love the design phase in the beginning and people love the finished product, but the middle can be really hard for small businesses. Uh, How did that impact your business? Yeah, that construction on the sidewalk and the road here was really tough. Um, it was the first year that I had owned the business. I hadn't even owned it for a full. 
Right. Michael Scott ringtone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it lends a sense of authenticity, I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd only owned the business for like a few months. And so to ha- like not have any kind of like cushion for something like that happening where people like literally can't get in the door. It was really, you know, from a financial standpoint, it was put quite a strain on things. But um, we've, you know, bounced right back, fortunately. And, um, you know, people come back. But it's, I think, just like we already have issues down here with people feeling like there's no parking and that it's tough to access us. And so when that happened, like, especially towards the end, like the last, like, couple weeks of it when they were actually pouring the cement on the sidewalk there and they had like a wooden bridge going from the the road to our front door and like people like everyone who came in would like had some kind of comment and I was just like at the end of my rope with like like smiling and laughing about it I was like yeah I know it's really inconvenient it's horrible I know like you know so but we're glad it's done and that's it's true so now we're in the stage of enjoying how pretty it looks and the brick inlay now that the snow's melted too today so yeah well the light at the end of the tunnel too is that trinity financial is pouring 55 million dollars into that courthouse building next door and you're about to have a whole bunch of residents right in your backyard have you had a peek in there yet we have we actually um they had a, a like a breakfast like ceremony thing over there a few weeks ago so we catered that and I got to go in and look at the second floor a little bit and see the the front room and the entryway where they have um where they were having the meeting but it's gonna be so cool and it was really fun looking around like it looked like a like an old movie set or something where like it had the you know I've only seen a courtroom from tv I think so (laughs) it looked like uh what you know what you imagine it to be but like the old big beautiful windows like it's gonna be amazing when they uh when it's up and running we're really excited to have that to have that there to have new neighbors yeah new regulars yeah exactly <laughs> and new new like seeds to plant of like families coming in and yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. exciting yeah so when i first started to learn about pairing and we are live with Mass Foodies now. I hope you don't mind. Hi, Mass Foodies. <laughs> At North Main Provision. Hello. When I started to learn about pairing, I asked Tim Russo at Lock 50 for some advice. And he said something that I've never forgotten. What grows together goes together. And now that's always how I try to think of it. Like um, a wine with lots of pepper notes goes with a Casio Pepe. Sushi goes with sake. How do you go about pairing? And what do we have in front of us here? I see some cheese and some bread and some wine. Right. Well... I mean, he said it best. Uh, I went with Spain for here. We've got a Prira and, you know, it's Manchego cheese, Iberico, chorizo. Well, and then I messed it up because I wanted you're... us to put something local on there. So this is from Kuwait <laughs> Farm. Um, and it's a truffle Adalesca, which, but so which I, is still fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic, but it's, it's not, not local to Spain. So yeah. <laughs> it's okay. So thank you. Thanks, Molly. So he said it best. I mean, as far as like flavors go, you want everything to balance each other out. So, you know, the wine, a little acidic, you go with like the salt and the manchego and kind of the umami with the chorizo. I mean, it's also salty and fatty, which fat just balances everything out no matter what. Um, Nate, can you, you mentioned umami and I think like growing up, we learn that we have like salt, sweet, bitter, sour. Right. And so this is, I think it's more of like, it's something that I, I know, like we didn't talk about when I was a kid, like the taste you have. So can you just kind of tell us what umami means? Sure. Uh, Jet, umami is Japanese for delicious. 
Um, and it's everything in between savory. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's cured meats, aged cheeses. It covers a lot of the bases. A lot of people will associate umami with like, like fresh seafood, like fresh shellfish, that kind of thing. Soy sauce, sun-dried tomatoes, anything that's like, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it takes time. Yeah. I I think the first time I heard that word was umami burger, the like burger, the like West coast burger place. So that was, and I was like, what is this? And I assumed that it was just like related to the burger. I had no idea that it was a way to describe the flavors of food. Yeah. 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 It's its own thing. (laughs) There was an awesome article in the Improper Bostonian this week about wine and how it's become more casual. And there's this, it's a place called Rebel Rebel in Boston. And I think their wine list is something like, the shit we have on tap and it's like <laughs> it's the fanciest wine list in the city or whatever but it's just so um comfortable poking fun at itself and they were talking about barbara lynch's wine programs throughout the city and all of her restaurants and she had one psalm who was like very skilled and popular and whatnot and that person said why don't you let me create 10 mini me's they're not going to know everything i know but don't you want 10 people who can speak articulately at the table and not just one person who holds all the knowledge and I thought that was so progressive. How seriously do you guys take your wine program? And what are some of the more fun wines that you have? How do you find your wines? Mass Foodies curates exclusive events and publishes thought-provoking content for the food-centric person. When asking yourself where to eat tonight, turn to MassFoodies.com to see what's happening in the Massachusetts food scene. That's MassFoodies.com. We do a lot of tasting. We go through several purveyors. We taste... We've tasted everything that's on our shelves here. Yeah, we carry what we like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are just, they're basically psalms, and we just get all their knowledge. Yeah. I have a little notebook that you got me, mm-hmm. um, and I love to fill it up with, like, diligent notes. Um, Cassandra, over at the Niche Group, um, we did, we partnered with them for, like, a, a dinner, a Spain versus Italy dinner last week, and... Um, she sent me over her notes. So there's always going to be somebody that knows more than you. And all you have to do is listen. Especially with wine. There's so much to know and there's so much history and there's, you know, like geography and there's just like an endless amount of knowledge, it seems like. And so we're having fun kind of learning more about it and tasting our way through, you know, different purveyors catalogs and, um, and carrying things, I think, to us, too, like, I think it is becoming, like, wine's more accessible, probably, in some ways than it has been, like, or it's not as, like, stuffy. And I think that, like, we try to carry things at a really reasonable price point that are delicious. And I think that, like, kind of getting a bang for your buck and having, like, I mean, I love everything that we have here. I love drinking and cooking with. And, like, we always have, like, a bottle of white and red open at home because we'll, like, have a glass with dinner. But also, it usually goes into whatever I'm cooking as well. And I think that... um that's kind of when like grow together, go together. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's, it's in the, incorporated into the whole meal. And, um, and like, don't they say millennials too are drinking more wine than like, yeah. The article talked about Gronk because he had a bush light at the parade a few years ago. And this year he was carrying a bottle of wine. There you go. Aha. Mm-hmm. It's so light. funny because we're killing everything else. <laughs> paper. T- oh no. Napkins. We're keeping paper towels alive. We're killing napkins. Like linen napkins? Well, no, just like, you know, like paper napkins. But apparently, apparently there's this trend of like millennials just like use paper towels for everything instead of like, you know, like a paper napkin that you would have with like a casual, like, 
you know, did at home with family. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because I was like, yeah, I'm obsessed with paper towels. You do, paper towels all day. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we use paper towels for ourselves. But if people are coming over, we've got like some, you know, just paper napkins in like a drawer somewhere. Yeah, that's true. We have the nice paper napkins for guests. <laughs> the ones that have the little like designs in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> the little like, doily the little, like puns. Yeah, like, you, you, know, like... you get it from home goods. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Have you had a chance to travel and experience some of these farms or, um, you know, try cheeses and wines in different countries? Not in different countries, no, but I've been to... Uh, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, we're we're always, you know, passively planning these trips. Um, we just started a vision board for our trip to France, hopefully. So, yeah. one day. Yeah. But locally. But locally, um, I'd like to get out there and... Uh, go to these places. Um, last Monday, I went to uh, Brookford Farm out in uh, Hardwick, Mass. And I took a little tour, got a little muddy because, what? No. Okay, never mind. Yes, Robinson. Yes. Never mind. Brookford is in New Hampshire. There's so many farms. We there all... are. We're so lucky to be in a metropolitan area and have so many farms within 20 miles. It's oh, crazy. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Robinson Dairy in Hardwick, Mass. Um, so I went out there, I placed an order, and I picked up a couple half wheels and took a nice tour, but it was so muddy and like, <laughs> it was the wrong weather to do it. And after that, I mean, that's 45 minutes away. Then I went down to uh, Ragged Hill and Westbrook Field and uh, took a tour of their facility. And we've carried their ciders since the day we opened. Mm-hmm. Really great stuff. Mm-hmm. Hadn't made it out to their tap room. Um, and the tap room isn't even open yet. So just kind of wandered around. That was one thing I did love about working at Ernst Abbey, and that's kind of how I met you, Nate. Yeah. Although, quick aside, I was friends with your sister growing up, and I remember you had this house with a garage that was over the pool, and we would all climb up to the garage and jump into the pool. It was like the highlight of my summer. Oh, yeah. Like it almost famous? Kind of. Not quite that high. And also, it was it an above-ground pool, so you had about four feet <laughs> max. <laughs> It was it was not safe. The height of glamour. But we, oh, were, yeah. <laughs> we were reunited when we both got jobs at Armsby and they at least once a year would shut down and bring us out to different farms and breweries to experience them for ourselves. And that's what it became is like being able to tell a story about a real farmer that you met or a real farm that you visited. People were just so engaged and invested in your sales for whatever particular item contained something from that farm would go through the roof. And it was like, not by mistake, you know? Yeah, no, it was great. It's great to be able to talk about these things. Yeah, I remember at, with RMSB, we went to uh, to Four Star Grains, and mm-hmm. I carry that here in the shop. Mm-hmm. So I'm still able to talk about a lot of these things and the places that we went to. And that was neat. We talk a lot on this show about women's professional culture, and that farm is run by Liz, who's like a very strong female farmer. I don't know. Have you had a chance to travel anywhere that's been inspirational as a baker? Oh man, I feel like Nate's done more of the traveling than I have. I, I maybe I'm more tethered to the bakery in some ways. I you were busy starting a business. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks, Molly. Yeah. yeah, I know. I, uh, yeah, I haven't gotten out to as many places as he has. We like we, but. Like, with the stuff that's in here, like, we do farmer's markets in the summer for a crust. And a lot of, like, the things that we carry, like, we have some jam over there. And we have, like, just different products that I met the owner through the farmer's markets. And then, like, even picked their stuff up there and were able was able to carry it here. So that's, like, kind of fun, too, just to meet them. And, you know, we're all kind of in the same boat. And, uh, and then 
you know, hold their stuff here. So build those relationships. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I am always amazed by people that have this artistic side of them. For you, it's the culinary arts. And then also a business side. When did you decide to take the leap and start a business? I know that Crust in particular used to be owned by Armsby Abbey. Mm -hmm. How did you decide that you wanted to take the risk? Well, they asked me if I wanted to buy it. And I think I just, I was like, Okay. And, uh, and then I think I, you know, kind of as I was going through it and definitely after it was mine, I learned a lot about what it actually meant to own it. You know, like the idea of running a business, I think is a lot different than actually doing it. And there's, there's a lot that goes into it and it's very, very consuming. And, uh, and I think that, you know, in some ways I was prepared for it with having a family business growing up. So I kind of knew, but like having a new business is very different than having an established business. Like, Coney Island. Coney Island's a whole different animal than either of these places. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's weird to balance the creative side and the business side. Cause you know, a lot of things with the business are pretty black and white in some ways, you know, it's, but also like, I've always loved puzzles and like growing up, I just like name thinks I'm a loser but like <laughs> I, uh, I could spend like a whole weekend like doing whole, like a whole big puzzle you know and just like kind of get lost in it and I feel like in a lot of ways that's what running a business is like so you have to be creative with how you problem solve even or like you know just when you think you have everything all put together and nice like something will kind of you know change and disrupt things and you just like you wake up kind of knowing what you have to do and then the day can take you in a different direction so there is an element of creativity in problem solving so it shifts it's definitely not it's not as gratifying as like making a loaf of bread and looking at that or eating it and being like I made this and this is like great and it's making people happy because like sometimes when you fix everything with the business then like you figure out something else is wrong and it just feels like you never making everyone happy, but you know, you try. What does it mean to have naturally leavened bread? So there's no commercial, there's no like yeast in it. So we have uh, a starter that's like 10 years old that we feed two times a day. Where'd you get it? Um, well, like they had like, uh, the baker's, here mm. had started it like for arms the bread that they did oh, for 10 them years ago. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, like, we've had that forever. Nate's actually trying to start do his own starter right now. But, um, yeah, so you just feed that every day, and it takes kind of, like, bacteria and stuff I'm, from the air. What? I'm just imagining when you said we feed it twice a day. Like, I'm imagining, like, Little Shop of Horrors, like Audrey 2, like, the, 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 like, giant Venus flytrap, which I know is not what a bread starter like it's dough starters like, like yeah but just the way I'm like oh my god so yeah. Sounds, yeah. yeah it can be almost as messy it can be well, with yeah. the, I think like bacteria you go oh yeah all kinds of stuff going on yeah yeah and you just like yeah so you, you get in there and you mix it and like I remember when I went to culinary school my uh, like baking instructor my bread instructor was like as a baker you're gonna have a very intimate relationship with your starter and so like it is kind of a weird bakers are weird I mean there's no like there's no way to sidestep that like it's funny because I watched the great British baking show the bake-off and one of the things like Paul Hollywood is the judge and he's like the bread guy and he he you know he's good at coming across as like very normal but then every once in a while when it's like bread week he gets like super weird (laughs) and he'll start talking about stuff like that and it's so funny like just like you say like 
he does. He'll be like, well, like, how did you deal with this? And his questions get like a lot more probing than they normally are. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Bread's so technical. And if you're like a bread nerd about things, like, and I've met other bakers and people who've been doing it for so long and they know so much more than I do. And the questions that they ask or the things that they know about flour or the, like, they can look at your dough and like know what it's going to turn out like. And it's like, it's a, it's an interesting it takes an interest not to you know to my own horn but it takes an interesting person to like have the patience and like to stay interested in it because yeah bread's weird but like but yeah back to your original question so like when we do a naturally leavened bread it doesn't have any commercial yeast in it so like bread originally like the flour when like you know everything we do like ferments for a few hours at least, but like the sourdough and the naturally leavened sit in the fridge, they ferment overnight. And so that allows our body to actually break down the flour more easily. Like we really like, so wonder bread that like they put this yeast in and it's just like, you know, takes who knows how long, like an hour for it to, you know, be mixed and then go into the oven, which isn't very long for bread. Like our bodies really can't break that down. So when you have naturally leavened bread, like I've had a lot of people come up to me and say that they have a, you know, gluten sensitivity, like celiac is like its whole its own animal, you know, where like they can't have it at all. But a lot of people with gluten sensitivities, their body can still break down sourdough because it's fermented so long that our, it's easier for our bodies to digest. So that's what it means in some ways to, to have it. I'm glad you asked that question, Sarah, because... I had never heard the word leavened out loud, so now I know how to say it. Did I say it right? I would have said, yeah, because I always read it, you know, sometimes you hear that. Yeah. I was like, is it unleavened or unleavened? But it makes sense. It's like an old biblical thing, right? With confidence, it's fine. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Sometimes people say levain, right? Yeah. Well, levain is its own thing. Oh, Jesus. But does it stem stem from that at all? Um. It might. I mean, you know, I think in some ways those words, I'm guessing they're French. Levain? Yeah. (laughs) But like, you know, um, but yeah, so like the Levain is something that we mix with, with the starter and then it's kind of like a concentrated starter. So, and then that becomes sourdough, like, cause it develops that more intense flavor profile. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. levels to bread. We've talked about professional culture. We've talked about yeast culture. Is it time for pop culture, Sarah? It's time for pop culture. I have a question for Nate. Okay. Because Nate and I play Pokemon Go. And I was going to laugh when you were laughing at Alexis of our puzzles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but my question is very simple, and it is, who is your favorite Pokemon? That's all. <laughs> oh, man. What what a question. We could be here for days. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's hard. I've had the same favorite since I was a kid. It's Articuno. <laughs> okay, that's okay. And I can kind of see that, too. Um, I'll mix it up. Um, not one of the original 150. Ooh. I'll say Torterra. I like Torterra. Yeah. It's a powerhouse. Ground and grass type. Yeah, I, I have. I believe I'm talking about this. <laughs> that was, I just wanted to, I needed to know. Yeah. So, well, I know how to play the game now, and I like taking. It's the fun. And, yeah, yeah. She'll take. It. She'll take my phone. She yeah. doesn't play it on her own. But it's fun, and it in, it doing. incorporates activity. Like you can't achieve anything in Pokemon Go without walking around, or like you know. It is, so you do have to like go outside. I have a lot of respect for that. It activated so many spaces that it, summer. It really did. Oh yeah, Elm Park was crazy. <laughs> And there's, like, clusters of people. You still see those clusters of people, like, on weekends. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
So I have some would you rathers that are pop culture adjacent, which means Molly, we might need you to be our encyclopedia. I got you. The first one, J-Lo and A-Rod's wedding or Rosario Dawson and Cory Booker's wedding? Which one would you like to attend? And can you just give us a synopsis before we yeah. start on the, the um, situation? So J- Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez recently got engaged. I am thrilled, personally. But I just think that it was, like, America's destiny for this to happen. I think it's, like, wonderful. He's really, like, he's really revived his um, his image through his commentary. He's become, like, people like him now. <laughs> um, and so the two of them together, they just seem to really love each other, which is uh, exciting. Can I say, I had a meeting with the, the Worcester Red Sox yes. today, but they're still the Paw Sox. And Joe Bradley, mm-hmm. who is the son of some very famous newspaper people yes. and grandson, but yes. <laughs> he's throwing a, uh, an engagement party for J-Lo and A-Rod at the, at the Pawtucket Red Sox Stadium at McCoy Field wow. as a joke, but like a promotional hilarious I mean, it's a good joke. idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's so smart. anyone whose name Jennifer gets in for free. Fantastic. I know. Yeah. Um, Cory Booker, I, are they engaged? I yeah. knew that they were in no, love wait. with each other. Yeah, they just Regardless. announced the okay. relationship. Oh, I was going to be like, whoa. Yes, uh, Rosario Dawson, the actress. Um, What's she in? Uh, she was recently on Luke Cage on Netflix, I think. But she played Mimi in the movie version of Rent. She's in a lot of stuff. She's in Sin City. She's Rent. great. I'm a, I like her a lot. Um, and she recently got into a lot of activism um, in 2016. So it makes sense. Cory Booker is the former... Mayor of Newark, senator now of New, uh, from New Jersey. And this is very interesting. I'm fascinated by the timing of this, I have to say. I have some questions about Because he just the, announced his run. Oh, yeah. I have some questions about this relationship. Um, I don't want to say it's legitimacy, but... I think you just answered my wedding question then. I'm going to J-Lo and A-Rod's <laughs> wedding. That sounds like real love. Where would you guys like to go? I think J-Lo and A-Rod... I, uh, yeah, I've always been a J-Lo fan. Right. And, like, also, she is defying time. That woman oh my God. is getting younger by the day, and I want to see if she looks as good in person. And also, like, if I could get up to, you know, close enough and be like, tell me your secrets. I would do yeah. that, too. Yeah. You have to imagine it's going to be a good crowd at that wedding, too, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Cory Booker's wedding is going to be, like, like, um... Andrew Cuomo will be there. Like, I don't want to hang out with Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Are you team J-Lo as well? Yeah, I mean, I assume I'd be your date. <laughs> I'm right? in. Good answer. Like it's I, have to, he doesn't have a choice I have to agree, right? Yeah. You guys are going a different way. Yeah, I know. All right. Um, we've decided they're on the same day. <laughs> So, Molly, you can give us a, a wonderful synopsis on this next one. Lori Laughlin Photoshop you into the water, the water polo team photo, or Felicity Huffman bribe someone into giving you extended time on the SAT. Which would you rather? So the background on this, obviously, is that Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman were both um, charged this week. They were indicted for being a part of a nationwide scam to that parent a lot of parents have taken part of to get their children into college by basically um bribing sat uh and act proctors um pretending pretending that their kids were yep student athlete recruits um that is a very good question who is Lori laughlin Lori laughlin is uh aunt becky from full house and also this uh she was recently dropped from lifetimes when the heart calls i believe it's called all right which my cousins were We've made too many jokes 
Um, How about Felicity Huffman? Felicity Huffman is Lynette Scavo from Desperate Housewives, and she also starred on my favorite Aaron Sorkin work, Sports Night. She's married to William H. Macy, who I am expecting will soon also be indicted, which I think is very funny because uh, he's the star of Shameless, and it's very much something that his character on Shameless and in other things would do is to, like, cheat their kids' way in this college. So once again, would you rather that Lori Laughlin has photoshopped you into the water polo team photo or Felicity Huffman has bribed someone into giving you extended time on the SAT? I'm going water polo. Yeah, I was going to say that. I want to I seem like I'm a water polo player. Mm-hmm. I like that. I guess, yeah, maybe that too, because, like, if you had extra time on the SATs and then your scores still aren't good, because I'm sure all that stuff is going to get released, right? It's all going to be. Well, part actually, part of the scheme with the extra time bribe was that they they basically, like, they basically pretended to have learning disabilities so that they could have extra time, which then meant that they sat alone with a proctor, which meant that the proctor was also feeding them answers. Oh, the whole thing is out of control. That's so gross. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Nate, <laughs> you have to choose. Yeah, I guess. Um, I guess water polo. Yeah, don't you want to seem like you play water polo, yeah, even I, if you don't? I guess though, for me though, to be honest, like water polo at this point, because I don't know that much about it. I just think of Brock, that stupid Brock, and so like. Oh yeah, Brock like, um, from Stanford. Yeah, like water polo. Yes, in itself Brock is just Turner. Totally like tarnished for me. Cause I get I just, that. Is that like I don't know if that's too much, but no, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um. One other thing, I just, I don't think that people realize this or are taking advantage enough of it for their jokes, but Lori Laughlin's husband and the father of her kids is Massimo Giannulli, who is literally Massimo, like, from Target. I own clothes, so many buy. Massimo clothes. That's, oh yeah, that's, like, he's Massimo, <laughs> which is nuts. So that's where, that's why she had $500,000. It wasn't, like, full house money. Target money. Yep. Target money. Target money. <laughs> yeah. Here's my last would you rather. Um, would you rather have Nick Jonas buy you a $200,000 car, as he just did. My backs on backs on backs. For his, is that his wife or his girlfriend? Priyanka. He bought Priyanka Chopra um, a Maybach. That's the car. Is that his wife? It's his wife. Yes, they recently got married. Okay. So you get a $200,000 car from Nick Jonas, or you spend an entire summer with Kevin Jonas in a Gatsby-style mansion filled with bunny rabbits and fancy dresses, just like in their brand new music video. Dad Kevin Jonas or son Kevin Jonas? Good question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a big Jonas Brothers (laughs) What's the difference? Well, Kevin Jonas is also the name of their dad. Like oh, their literal father's name is Kevin. And I Kevin is Kevin, too. He, like, had matured and become no. a father? Okay, I'm talking about the son. I know. The <laughs> pop star. Um, I would like to hang out with Kevin Jonas and bunnies. But am I married to Nick Jonas? Yeah. That's the thing. Andy buy you a $200,000 car. I want to be married to Joe Jonas, so I'm recusing myself from this question. That's exactly why I didn't include him. Uh, I'm going for the mansion. I don't know. It sounds like an experience. I don't need a fancy car. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think they're all, they seem like nice kids. I don't, you know, I don't know them, obviously, but Kevin seems to be the most, like, down to earth. He seems like he's pretty. He married a hairdresser. Chill guy. <laughs> I'd want the house and the clothes. I think the clothes was the selling point for me. In the jewelry, I'm assuming jewelry is included in the clothes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How oh, about you? Oh, I, I have no opinion whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, if I could have <laughs> if I could have a car and not be married, that'd be, that'd be swell. I also don't want to hang out with 
a random guy <laughs> in a mansion for however long. Right, like, have you met him prior to this, or are you just showing up? And yeah, he's exactly. like, welcome, I'm so glad you're here for this, like, two-hour bunny. Like, I don't mind meeting new people, but <laughs> yeah. what about have, to, have to live with him? <laughs> and bunnies? Point. What a mess. <laughs> no, it sounds awful. So, can I ask, do you know about Rosie O'Donnell's connection to the city of Worcester? Isn't she, she's dating or engaged to a, a police officer? Yes. Yeah. They are engaged. Okay. Yes, that's right. So, Worcester's only female-mounted Police officer. officer, yeah. Oh, wow. I bet she's a cutie patootie, though. She's beautiful. Oh, that was her yes, saying. That was her saying. Oh, okay. Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise was a cutie patootie. You think yes. that came out of nowhere? Oh, I, I did for that show. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know, Nate. You still surprise me. <laughs> that was it. That was. Yeah, I know you pulled that right out. Yeah. We yeah. always we joke about koosh balls a lot because that was the other right. The like into the audience. Yeah. Rosie, come on, pop it. Hashtag Rosie, come on, pop it. But Molly, we was want- Rosie in the news this week? So Rosie just did an interview. Or So she didn't just do the interview. Um, rather, that's my phone. <laughs> um, she did a, um, a great interview for, there's a book coming out that's about The View. Because obviously The View has been, has had a rocky go. And it's still somehow on the air. But she basically, she did, um, She's she was interviewed for the book. It's written by Rabin Satude, who's um, a longtime TV writer and TV critic. It's called Ladies Who Punch. It's the story of The View. And um, BuzzFeed published an excerpt of it. It's coming out in April. And it was, um, the beginning of it, really detailed. Because it was obviously, like, Rosie's section. And so it was just the beginning. It didn't go into her, like, juice or all the good stuff about The View. But it really um, mapped out the way that she sort of re-engineered the the landscape of what a daytime talk show was. Um, she was really the first one. It was like, even like Oprah, um, Oprah too, obviously, but she even changed what Oprah did um, where she made everything very celebrity friendly. And like, she, it was nice. She was the queen of nice. That was her whole so thing. So I'm not going there worried that she's going to give me a gotcha question. Right. Exactly. Or that she'll was, give me a heads up if that's yes. the case. And, and really that she did stay away from that. There wasn't a lot you know, coming in. And she even said, she said, you know, I was not really known for anything political at the time as much as I was just a truth-telling comic who was funny and round. And I thought that was a funny way to put it. But, and I like that though. I like how the, how straightforward it was, but that was her whole deal is she, she went to the network, she pitched it and said, I really want to have like a fun celebrity friendly Merv Griffin type show where we just have a great time. Um, but she's made a complete turnaround now where she's so political. Right. And she always, well, and that's, and it, it actually does talk a lot about how she like slowly started bringing activism into the show. Not so much controversial stuff, but she really partway through, she was like, how can she, she talks about being disillusioned by the idea that she thought she was going to get rich and famous and basically like cure diseases and call up all these other rich women. And they were going to like save the world and how that didn't happen. Um, and so then she was like, well, what can I do? So that was, it was fascinating. And she also talks a lot about, she said, the hardest part of my life wasn't being gay. It was my childhood. She had a, she had a tough childhood. She was sexually abused by her father, but yeah, it was, it was a really good read. I actually, it made me want to buy the book because I think it would be an interesting read anyway. It's just the whole, every, all the hubbub surrounding the view. But, um, yeah, she had some really interesting things to say. One of my favorite things that I just that I picked out that I really loved was she, she loves Barbara Streisand. She lo- she grew up loving musicals, show tunes. Um, and Barbara Streisand is sort of like her idol. And she talked about how recently Barbara Streisand was on um, Ellen, the Ellen DeGeneres show. And she was the second guest. 
which is like, that means that you're, you know, on a talk show, right? You want to be guest number one. And she, she was very angry that Ellen <laughs> made, she was the second guest after so- Sophia Vergara. Um, and she said, I will never talk to Ellen again, Rosie said. Such disrespect. She sent a message to Andy Glasner, DeGeneres' executive producer who had worked on Rosie's talk show. The email read, go to hell. <laughs> and that was just, that was it. Just like, she spent, that was, her whole thing was her passion about, like she cared about that. So she, she was a fan. And that was the whole idea of her show. So we are fans of hers. Was that her just <laughs> knocking on the door trying to get no. in by cheese? Rosie, come back. Uh, no, but has she been in? No, not that I'm You have saying. to tell us. But we did have, um, you know who came in? The uh, the oldest brother from Boy Meets World, Eric. <gasps> Will Friedel? Yeah. Why was he in town? Uh, he lives in like Connecticut. And uh, we didn't get a picture. The girl who was working the restaurant, oh, she, nearly, the time, she freaked out. She, she nearly like, she went in the back and cried for like an hour. Oh, I would have. She couldn't like <laughs> yeah. heal herself. Yeah. Someone and, recently told me that they knew someone who knew him. It must be because through like yeah, those yeah he's people. local. He of. likes Central Mass, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He does a lot of voice work. Mm-hmm. He does. He does. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's his thing now. I think um, he yeah he retreated from the spotlight. <laughs> he and actually so the guy. Who played his best friend on Boy Meets World, um, Jason Marsden. The two of them do a lot of voice work together. Interesting. Yes. Well, <laughs> if you have any Rosie sightings, please yes. do let us know. I will. We yeah. are so excited about all of the small businesses that have been reinvigorating Worcester. Yes. But these ones more than any others. And part of it is just the relationship we've built with you guys. And we can tell that you're taking the time to build relationships with so many people in the community. Mm-hmm. And we feel loyal to you. Yeah, absolutely. And your work is unparalleled and i think for people who come in not knowing like a ton about cheeses or wines or olives or whatever like i came in here with my mom and she like she loved talking to you she was like he knew so he knew everything about all the stuff that he was selling like it's just it you know authenticity bring that level of authenticity which we love so that makes me happy (laughs) that's why i do it yeah i mean i don't i don't know more than anybody but (laughs) <laughs> thank you for making us proud of our hometown. Yes. It means a lot. Thanks. Thank you for yeah, having us on here and showcasing small business. It's about like time, right? <laughs> you know, like, finally. We talked about you on our yeah. very first episode. Yeah. And we we finally- heard that. Yeah, we were actually in the car. It was almost <laughs> by chance that we were just in the car. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's, I think it was a, on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It was on a Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. And Club uh, going up. <laughs> on a Tuesday. Yeah. Ricky said something about, he was like, well, Nate, the owner of Crust. I was like, look at that. You're, you're serving me just like that. It's all like, Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> we know, know the left. truth. It was, yeah. No, they, <laughs> they've been feeding me wine, just to be clear. <laughs> well, I have been Sarah. I have been Molly. And this is Pop It. Pop It. Mass Foodies curates exclusive events and publishes thought-provoking content for the food-centric person. When asking yourself where to eat tonight, turn to MassFoodies.com to see what's happening in the Massachusetts food scene. That's MassFoodies.com.